Ladies and gents, welcome back to another episode of The Essential Eleven, brought to you by Acton Academy and Acton Academy Placer. Now, I know that you've noticed that my voice is a little bit different. Um, you know, I'm just going through some things at the moment. I'm kidding. I'm definitely not Matt. I'm sorry. That was a bad joke. I will try my best to do his intros justice. We just had a little mishap, but I promise you he's your interviewer for today. So today's guest, a man by the name of Chris Bell. Um, what an awesome guy. You know, Chris Bell, we just had his brother, Mark Bell, on. But Chris is an American director, uh, producer, writer, known for his documentaries, Bigger, Stronger, Faster, uh, Shrovey Kids, and Prescription Thugs. His work is focused on the impact that society has in our consumption and addictions, especially to prescription drugs. Now, when Chris Bell came to campus, he said that no topic was off the table. So we ended up diving into some things that stray a bit from the Essential Eleven questions, but it has a lot of relevance, and I think you're really going to enjoy this episode with Mr. Chris Bell. And you're a pro, so Mr. Chris Bell. Brother, cool getting to show you around, dude. This school's amazing. I've never seen anything like this. You know, I uh, went to public school my whole life, just like 99% of the kids in America probably, and I hated it. And I was always, uh, you know, my grades were bad all through high school. I think I graduated with like a 68. I graduated at like, we had 525 kids in our school, and I think I was number like 518 on the list, you know, graduation. I barely graduated. Yeah. And then um, when I got out of high school, my dad gave me an ultimatum and he said, I want you to go down to the city and I want you to get a job, you know, go down to like city hall, yeah. get a job as like maybe a garbage man or postman, postal worker or, you know, some, one of those things. Yeah. Because you always have a steady job and whatever. And he's like, or I can pay for you to go to community college, but you can't get in anywhere. You know, your grades are terrible. So I went to a community college for two years. And I started taking a communications class. And in the communications class, the first thing we had to do was make a radio commercial. So at the time, it was like 1992, I made a radio commercial for Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. Yeah, and my for, te- the, for the fight? For the fight, okay. like a like paper, a promo? like a fake okay. promo for the fight. Yeah. And it had music and fans cheering in the background. It was like way at a different level than what any of the other kids did yeah. back then. And the teacher's like, you're really talented. Like, you should do something with this. You should take more yeah. communications classes. So then I started taking communications classes and took uh, a video class. I made a music video for my friends that were rappers back in Poughkeepsie, New York. Yes, dude. And um, they were actually pretty good because they used to go to the New York City all the time. And they'd work with LL Cool J's producer and yeah. all the stuff like that. So I made a funny music video with them. It won a national contest. Francis Ford Coppola... And Kathleen Kennedy, who's like Spielberg's producer, they were judges on this contest. What? And just randomly, I submitted it to this contest, and I won. And I ended up going to USC Film School, and all this just stuff happened off, yeah. out of my dad saying, you can either go to community college or you, you know, or you can get a job for the city. And I was just scared to death of being an average Joe. Yeah. Sort of like Mad Dog talks about in Bigger, Stronger, Faster. Yeah. I didn't want to be the average Joe. And I think that that, that movement uh, brought me to California. You know, three years later, three or four years later, it brought Mark to California, yep. who, st- you know, he just stopped going. To, he was going to a two-year school. Yep. He just moved to California. And um, my older brother moved to California, and eventually my parents moved to California. So I started the migration started the train, out yeah. west for the Bell family. Yeah, it was How interesting. rad, man. Dude, I, I didn't know I didn't know that. I didn't know that about the, uh, about the radio program and stuff, too. Dude, what's crazy is how 
cool would that have been if you could have gotten started and figuring out that genius early on? Yeah, you know, you know? that's it, nuts. It, it it did kind of start a little bit earlier um, in high school. Yeah, I would take some classes that were, you know, we had one sort of class that was like that. It was like a photography class. Yeah, and um, I just always excelled at that stuff. Yeah, and. I was always good at it and I had a knack for it, but I didn't know how to get into it. Yeah. And I think that that's the, the problem like today is a lot of young, younger kids and things, yep. they don't know how to get into something at a young age. And yep. if I did, uh, probably would have had a different trajectory altogether. Yeah. Know? Well, the assumption is kind of like you and I were talking about earlier. The assumption is, well, you go to college and maybe if you're lucky, you go to college for that thing. Yeah. You know, whereas you're saying you go to film school and then you get on a set and people that, you know, I have been working in the sets go, uh, they kind of laugh at you because you went to school for it rather than just jumping into that, the industry. It, it's interesting because as much as people respect, I went to USC film school Yeah, and USC and NYU are considered like right. the best film schools in the country. And ironically, I lived in New York and I got into USC yeah. and then I applied to NYU and I didn't get didn't in. Didn't get in? No yeah. way. So I got into USC and Loyola Marymount for yep. film school and they're both really good. Film school, so obviously I I went to USC because that's where George you know George Lucas yeah, went man. and all these you know famous people went and I just thought like okay this is the way yeah. to go. I also thought that you graduate from film school and immediately you get a job for like a hundred thousand yeah, dollars totally. being like an editor right. or being something like that. And I graduated from film school and I'm like working as a PA on the set. Yep. You know picking up dog poop. Yeah. For, for the yeah, director. For you know? sure. And that's the kind of stuff I was doing in the beginning. And when I, you're right, when I got on a movie set, I realized like I don't, I didn't really learn anything yep. in film school except for what I think is really, really important now is how to tell a story. That's the most important thing. Yeah, I yeah. yeah, that makes sense, dude. And it's so funny you're all of this in a quest to not be, you know, like you're saying you don't want to be the average Joe, right? And then you're looking at that freaking ranking of five eighteen yeah. out of five twenty five, and as a young kid, you're looking at that like that has some sort of merit. To anything, right? Because you you didn't know know how or want to play this one very narrow game, and so I mean that crushes people from even thinking they're average. Yeah. Never mind understanding that they're ridiculously talented, that they're actually very smart, they're actually very good. Yeah. Ironically, through my journey, I learned that there really isn't anything wrong with being average. Yeah. You know, as long as you're happy. Yeah. You know, and so um, as I've grown and gotten older and more mature, yeah, I'm less chasing fame and more chasing like how do i help people yeah because i think the like the ultimate uh, outcome is that when you help people you do make money you do become successful you know you do all these things mm -hmm. but it's also very re rewarding yeah and if you're just chasing numbers and you're just chasing money like i could have made movies where i went and blew, blew stuff up like arnold schwarzenegger and yeah that's what i wanted to do yeah when i was younger but now all i care about is like how do i help fix the world's pain yeah. How do I help fix, uh, you know, people that are struggling? How can I help people get bigger, stronger, faster? Yep. You know, all these things is like you can use media to really help change people's lives. And that's what I turn more into. And a lot of that came from the wisdom of my mom mm -hmm. who just passed away yeah. and my father who were very average their whole life, yep. you know, but they were far from average when you actually examine them as people, yeah. you know? They might seem average because they just, my mom never had a job. She was yeah. just a mom. Well, she had a job for a little while. Like when we got older, she worked for a doctor for a couple of years, but she never had a job where she had to like support the family or do yeah. anything. And my dad was just a, you know, he worked at IBM and it was seemed very average. Yeah. But I think their mindset was never average. You know, their mindset was like, we're going to bring up really good kids with yep. really good values and 
teach them how to become successful. The number one way that we became successful is just like this school. Yeah. It's just like the academy here because my parents allowed us to do whatever we wanted to do. And they encouraged us to yep. do whatever we wanted to do. Yep. When I said I wanted to make films, uh, most of the kids that did that, that were in community college with me that wanted to make films, yeah. their parents told them, get a real job, yep. get a real major. Yep. Um, even when I went to USC, people were like, kids' parents were mad that they For were sure. going to film school and not going to business school. My mom loved it. She told everybody she knew. That's so you cool. Know, and my dad was the same way. And I think that um, this idea of allowing kids to be kids and allowing people to do what they want to do and not stuffing them into a box is just really valuable. It's a big deal. Dude, and no, I mean, I would never downplay, you know, my wife has been home since we've had, since we had our first, you know, almost 10 years ago now. Um, mm -hmm. And it's been the best thing ever because she is that kind of woman too that pours into my kids. And so my kids, you know, you ask anybody that knows them, they've got their mindsets at nine, seven, and four are not the average mindset. And part of that has to do with the environment that we have here at school. But a humongous part of that is because of the, the, the parenting. And a lot of that goes to my wife, right? And your mom, I know that's, and I know I never got to meet your mom, but I know that's, it's obvious with you guys. Yeah. You know, it's obvious with you guys and the mindset that you guys have and the peace that you guys have, you know, knowing you and, and Mark, the, the wisdom and the peace of mind that comes out of you guys is not something that comes out. I know a lot of people. It's not something that comes out of a lot of people. Yeah, and we all had different issues. Like Mad Dog was a maniac. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was really shy and quiet. Yeah. And Mark had, you know, a lot of learning disabilities yeah. that he had to get over. But when Mark had learning disabilities, it was... a it was really obvious that he had some genius in him. Yeah. You know, he, my mom went to, went, my mom always told, told this story that she went into his school and the teacher was like, your son just doesn't get it. You know, yeah. like he, he's just always, he, he just never gives me a straight answer about stuff and blah, blah. And my mom's like, what do you mean? And the teacher's like, well, for example, I asked him what color the sky was. And he said, he said, it depends. And my mom's like, well, it does depend. Is it day? Is it night? Is it whatever? And she right. had the same answer Mark had. That's right. And the teacher's like, oh, I get it. Oh, it comes Because yeah. she wanted him yeah. to say the sky's blue. Right. And follow what everybody else says. But right. the sky's not blue. Yep. The sky changes colors all the, right. time, all, right? all the time, right? So it's like you could see that Mark had some genius in him, but he was like always thinking different. Mm -hmm. And rather than being uh, telling him to think like everybody else, my mom encouraged him to think this. So rad encouraged him to go his own way and he ended up building you know his company slingshot into a multi-million dollar empire mm -hmm. that does what helps people you know right. helps people get stronger that's right and uh what he's done with it is really amazing because uh it's not just a company it's a media company that uses the money that he makes to help people with his podcast that's right and help people in the gym yep and when you see mark in the gym with other people it's not about him it's about how is he helping other people get stronger. And it walks around that gym and teaches people who can't even squat 200 pounds mm -hmm. how to squat three, 400 pounds in a couple months, you That's know? Right. And so it's really amazing to see him helping and working with other people. It makes me proud. Like I couldn't be prouder of my younger brother and yeah. his success. And I think yeah. a lot of other people like might get jealous of stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, man, I helped build that. I helped with him with his confidence and he's helped me in so many ways. It's it's just incredible. That's you know? huge. And it, dude, that goes back to the parents. Yeah. It does. That is a big, you know, people, what, what is the, we get this all the time. What is the curriculum, right, for Acton Academy? The curriculum is self-confidence. 
the curriculum is self-awareness, right? That's the curriculum. It's those kind of things. We're going to be pouring into them with that kind of stuff all day here, but it's got to come at home too. Like we have our open house tomorrow with, uh, so we'll have, you know, 20, 30 families that'll come in just to learn. We do it every month and they'll come in wanting to learn more about the school. And it's starting that whole process of discovery of who we are, but it's our discovery of who they are too. And I do my best um, you know, Tyler Durden at the, at the front end where yeah. I'm just like, welcome to fight club people. And I try to get rid of everybody as quickly as I can, because I want to weed out the parents that are like, I, I want to find the parents that are like your mom. I want to find the parents that go, no, I believe wholeheartedly in the ability that my young people have and in the trajectory they're on in the dreams that they have. I want to find the parent that believes in that and is going to be speaking the same kind of life into them, right? That's why we have, you know, what you saw earlier, we got a bunch, we walked in and we put a bunch of 10 year olds running a meeting better than you'd see a meeting being run at Google, right? Because all of those and the adults weren't saying a thing because all those parents are buying into who that young genius is. You know? Yeah, that it's was actually, had, man. it's it's funny, but uh, credit to you and your school is like, that's one of the most amazing things I've seen in a long time. It's awesome. Like just walking yeah. in that room yeah. and seeing a kid up at the, uh, two kids up at the board yeah. and they're pointing at the board and they're going, should we do this or yeah. should we do this? Yeah. Should we take a vote on this? Yeah, it was should, like really yeah. cute. Should we develop a committee? It was like yeah. cute, but it was actually real. Yeah. It, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like some fake yep. mock, school thing it yep. was like no they're really actually doing something it's exactly. really cool to see and then and that's what you said too is like we forget how capable young people are and that's it exactly i right? was like why why is it that you know and and also to go uh you know it's it's like usually a kid would be afraid of their te- I, I was yeah, always yeah, afraid yeah. of a three right, right? i was always afraid of my teachers, yep. you know, I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to raise my hand to go to the bathroom yeah. and things like that. And it was, yeah. it's just weird that you're afraid of your teacher, but totally. I was never afraid to talk to anybody in my class. Yep. So just putting it in that context, I yeah. think makes it so much easier for kids to for develop. Sure. And then I'm sure, you know, if you do have a problem, the teacher's more supportive than they are, that, you know, going to be like, no, you can't do that. That's exactly know? what they are. It's their support. That's why we call them guides, right? Yeah. They're mentors. I mean, that's what they are. So they're here to support. It's exactly that. I thought that's it was fun. interesting. I asked you how many teachers you had. Yeah. And you said, well, we have 10 guides. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it exactly. Like, yeah. I go, oh, you call them guides. You yeah. Know? But you didn't even correct me. You're just like, we have 10 guides. And yeah. I, I got it right away. Sure. Oh, they're guides. I got it. They're yeah. Not it's teachers. just a different deal. We have yeah. teachers come up all the time that are, you know, they'll come in and they'll be like, hey, I've... I've been a teacher for 25 years and, and I love what you guys are doing here and I'd love to come work here. And I'm like, you, you've been a what? Like, I've been a teacher for 25 years. I'm like, that's a huge red flag for me, honestly. Like you just said bad words. Because, because they're going to go traditional, right? Yeah, it's that, man. They're going to have a hard time bake, you know, getting out of those those uh, that mindset, right? Because when you go through the, the process of becoming a teacher, and I can speak for this as someone who's gotten credentialed in California, it's about how to perpetuate the system. It's not how to actually work with a student. It's not how to find their gifts. It's not how to set them up for success, right? It's none of that. It's how do I take authority? How do I take control? How do I make sure that they are listening to exactly what I want them to listen to and repeating what I want them to repeat? And, you know, it's it's how to do that it has nothing to do with development and, and right? It's that. Yeah. So you learn that system. And so I don't fault them because the majority of teachers are phenomenal human beings. And the best teachers are the ones that kind of get out of that mindset and kind of figure it out and go, okay, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I'm going to kind of do this anyways. You know, those are, those are your best teachers. Um, but it's a really hard habit to break. So it's almost never a fit here because it is, it's that authority you're talking about. I was scared of my teachers too, until I got, you know, to a certain age, but I was scared of that too. It's funny. We're here on this campus a few months back 
and uh, we're outside and, and um, kids are out running around, you know, they're running around in the field, they're running around in the parking lot. And we're in, you know, a downtown area here just east of Sacramento, right? And so there's there's businesses all along one side of us, yeah. right? And there's, you know, kind of a strip mall kind of on this other side and there's a couple houses. And so we always have people walking by. There's always people out and about. So I had uh, a lady come around and, and uh, into the parking lot and she came over to our gate and she kind of waved me down. And so I walk over, I said, hey, how's, you know, how's it going? And she says, everything's okay. She's like, I'm really, I'm a little bit concerned. I said, okay, what are you, what are you concerned about? Mm-hmm. She says, well, I was walking around the outside of the gate and these little kids over here, I don't know, they must be six or seven. As I was walking by and I was looking at them, they said hello to me. And I'm waiting for the other end of the story. Like, yeah. and then they pick something up and they threw something at Like I'm, I'm waiting for yeah, something. Yeah. What did they do? And I'm like, yeah. and then what happened? She goes, well, they didn't, they don't know who I am. And I said, okay, are you a dangerous person? Right. And she said, no, I'm not dangerous, but they, they weren't even shy. They just said, hello, rather than kind of running away. What are you teaching them here? And I was like, man. And so we went into this car and it ended up being a great conversation, but isn't that interesting, right? Yeah. You're supposed to be just afraid of anybody you I don't know. I just walked down the hallway in the, and walked yep. by a bunch of kids, and yep. I'm like, hi. And yes. I said hi to them. Yeah. You know, and um, that was uncommon, very uncommon. Totally. You know? That's it. And all our kids, I mean, they start those morning meetings. One of the things we didn't see, and, and uh, you know, your nephew Jakey's been, been able to come over and check stuff out, too. And we're like, dude, this is how we roll in the morning. First thing they do is they get up in our Socratic circle, and we get up, they stand up and shake hands. And this is from the five-year-olds all the way up to the 18-year-olds, and they just shake hands, and they say good morning. They look each other in the eye, they shake hands to the person next to them, and it goes all around the circle. And one of the things that people always comment on here, too, is they'll come in, and kids, randomly, they'll say hello, they'll walk up, hey, they'll introduce themselves, they'll shake hands, they'll say, hey, nice to meet you, and people are blown away. It's just something we used to do. It's something that was always seen as just part of humanity. You, you, know, what, you know what's that, interesting, dude. and where, um, where that you know, that that's actually a staple in uh, pro wrestling in WWE. Mm. So I used to work for WWE as a writer. Right. And the one thing that you're required to do, it's like, it's not, it's not a requirement, but the other people will look down on you. Yeah. Every time you walk into the locker room, you say hi to everybody and shake their hand. Really? Every single person you see, hey, how you doing today? And, and it's just a sign of respect. Yeah, it's for, part of the culture. Yeah, and, and you, cool. you you guys all work together. So when you see each other, you greet each other. Yeah. And if you don't do it, like sort of behind the scenes, yeah. you get thrown under the bus, you know, for being an a-hole. Like, you're, Interesting. Not, you're not considered cool. Yeah. Because they want, they don't want any friction between people. So if two guys yeah. are even having friction yep. and then they see each other again, like, hey, what's up? Like, you just start to yeah. start forgetting just about these yeah. things that you don't like about yeah. the person. And, you know, you start How growing cool, to accept man. them and stuff like that. And it's like weird that it comes from wrestling. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but it's been around forever. And it's like something that they've just, they've just kept it forever. And so even as a writer for WWE, yeah. I did that yeah. you know, because I wanted to be as respectful as they were to yep. them, you know? That's so cool. You man. also get to know everybody. That's it. You get to see, you get to know those people. Dude, it brings it's you back to better. the, hum- it brings you back to the humanity. <laughs> Everything we do is all about separation. Like we've been talking about downstairs too, you know, the left versus the right or the, you know, there are certain things you don't talk about. You don't question, like we lose humanity. Well, and you're not allowed to shake hands. You're anymore. not allowed, dude. That's it. It's dangerous. You're going to kill <laughs> now, it, dude. Now it's illegal dude, to shake hands. Can you imagine how many, when you got here on campus, I gave you a big old hug. Can you imagine how many grandmas we killed with that hug? Yeah, right there? I know. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, I'm sure. <laughs> like, that's nuts, dude. And that's what I was like, too, about 
about your documentaries too is the humanity yeah piece of it you know well, i think you do i think you do a really good missing, job of telling that we're missing a huge part of story. humanity and i think a big part you know my nephew is coming to act in the yeah. academy and yeah. my nephew jake which yeah. is mark's son and the reason i think a big reason why he needs this is because we're in the middle of this so-called pandemic yeah um and he's not he hasn't been in school he hasn't been around other kids it's yeah. like it's so brutal on these kids and I, I don't think anybody gets it with yep. the mental health of this country is sort of getting shot to hell because people aren't talking to each other. People That's aren't right. communicating. People in grocery stores are like walking around, like so far away, you know, for sure. like, I'm not going to give you a virus. Chill out. I'm the for most sure. healthy person here. Right. You know, so it's like, dude, it, think about. So, you, I mean, when you and I grew up, at least as as, a, as flawed as like the school system is, right, you start to learn at least somewhat how to develop some of the relationships. I hate when people are like, oh, well, you need school for socialization because you're not exactly getting the best form of socialization there either. You're learning to be afraid of authority. You're learning to create You're clicks. learning, you're learning get, you don't have a voice. How to get bullied. You're learning how to get bullied or, or to bully, <laughs> yeah, right? You're, yeah, yeah. you're mimicking a prison structure. So I'm not going to say that there's all it's all roses there either. But we at least grew up getting to have those interactions. And we still are this you know, a generation of 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 year old somethings that are having a ridiculously hard time interacting with one another. We're not doing it well. We're not doing it kindly. We're still, you know, there's still all of this. So now take that back to all of these youngsters that are now in the early stages of their development and we're completely cutting them off from humanity altogether. Yeah. What's that long tail game going to look like? What are these kids that are 12, 13, and 14 that are now just cut off and, and they're taught to live in complete fear, go 30 years down the road, and what do those interactions look like when they haven't gotten to develop all of those things that you would normally develop at this age? Yeah, and one of the setting people up. One of it. the saddest things, I, look, I'm all for um, I'm all for people being careful right now yeah. you know, with this sure. virus and sure. everything. I, I'm all for I'll wear the mask when I go in a store and blah, mm -hmm. blah. But when I walk past a playground, we know yep. that kids aren't getting this like crazy. And we yep. walk past a playground and there's police tape around it. Like once I'm, I want to cry. Right. You know, yep. literally police totally. tape around it. Caution, stay off of this. Totally. And kids can't play. And it's like even without, you know, even with limitations, they're not allowed to play on this stuff. And, you know, it's like they open stuff up for a week and then they shut it back down for six weeks. And it's, it's just getting to, to a point where it's getting so crazy that I think it's affecting the mental health of our country it's going to have a detrimental effect long term and the the mental health aspect of this is going to be way worse than anybody getting sick for sure i think we're already seeing it in the numbers too with the kids you know with the way they're the way they're struggling well, and for example you know i did all these movies about opioids and prescription drugs right yeah and prescription drug use right now is absolutely through the roof there are more that. people dying in certain cities like San Francisco yep. than are dying from coronavirus because they're taking pills. They're taking too many pills because they're sad. And it's just heartbreaking to see that, you know, that people are ending their life, whether on purpose or not. Suicide rates are through the roof yep. because of the government saying, like, you're not allowed to go outside. Unreal. And they're saying you're not allowed to go outside, but the governor can go to a party with his family. Yeah. Do because that. well, he's the governor, yeah. you know, and Nancy Pelosi can yeah. get her haircut, yeah, and but you're not allowed to, and yeah. it's just the hypo the hypocrisy of it is what kills me. That's it's it. not the rules that kill me; it's the hypocrisy of it, and it's the the way that we're going about this, and the way that we're having that's zero it. compassion for people with these mental health conditions. That's right. That are you know that's right. What they're going through. Yeah, dude, the hypocrisy is a base. The do as I say, not as I do, you know, kind of deal, and it's 
you never, you know, it's all about, it's all about health, but I'm not, I don't hear CDC. I don't hear WHO. I don't hear anybody talking about how to be healthy. I don't hear anybody no. saying, man, go get outside and get some vitamin D, you know, pay attention to the food you eat. Make sure you're getting some rest, get some exercise, drink enough water. Like I don't hear those recommendations at all. Well, and stay right, away from other humans. Right now you have uh, the president elect saying like, if you're not wearing a mask, you're unpatriotic, you're un-American. You know, and you're like, are you kidding me? Brainwashing at its finest, yeah. man. And and it's like, well, show me the study that says that it works, that it's effective. And we've been wearing them for nine months, so nothing's nothing's happened. You know, it hasn't affected it. It's like the cases are surging and yeah. we're wearing masks. Yeah. So what's your answer now? Yeah. You know? Yeah. These poor kids, man, we the fallout. So you mentioned prescription, prescription thugs. And is that still on? I remember watching that Actually, one. Actually, better than Netflix is uh, uh, YouTube now bought. Bigger, stronger, faster, and prescription, and prescription thugs. thugs. Nice. So now everybody yeah. can watch them for free and has Super access cool. to them, which I think is cool. Super cool. Um, I don't make any money off that, but I, I still think it's cool that everybody can see the movies. They're now still and, great um, films and be able to be able to talk about them. And for I, sure. I also have um, uh, a movie called A Leaf, Leaf of, Faith of Faith. That's on. Yep. Um, I think that's just on iTunes. That was on Netflix for yep. like three years, and then. Netflix just pulled it off, but um, that's about Kratom, which yep. is something that yeah. helps a lot of people's mental health and helps a lot of people's physical pain as well. Um, but because the government has, you know, because big pharma contributes so much to the government right. and this competes with opioids, yep. they don't want anybody to have it. So that's it's right. really, all the stuff I talk about is really controversial, but it really shouldn't be. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. Well, and then meatheads, right? Yeah. What you're working on right now. It's another thing. We were just talking about that again before we jumped on here. Um, you know, yeah, working on a movie about how I think meat can not only save people, yeah, but it can save the planet, yeah. And people think I'm crazy when yep. I say that because they think that uh, raising cattle is so bad for the environment, right? But when you actually look at it, yeah, some of the things that are killing the environment yeah. the worst, yeah, are the farming of plants, right? Tilling the soil, which we've destroyed all the soil in this country, pretty yes. much. Right by tilling it, and there's ways around that. We don't have to till the soil to grow vegetables. I'm not saying I'm not saying we shouldn't grow vegetables. Yeah, I'm saying we need to get the plants and animals working together because yep. we can regenerate that land the with cattle. Farming, right? right, it's called regenerative agriculture. Yep. And so I want to make a film that sort of shows that and shows people that how eating meat. But first of all, the one thing that most people don't know about red meat, yeah. and something I actually didn't even know when I started doing this. Uh, diet, basically eating, you know, basically just red meat all yeah. the time, is that red meat has every single nutrient that the body needs and nothing that it doesn't. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, and and in more biological forms than any plant, by far, yeah. you know, like like several times over. Yeah, the bioavailability um, That if you that. eat a steak, you'll get way more nutrients, way more yep. bioavailable nutrients than you'll get from a salad with every single vegetable in the world in it. Yeah. You know, you have 500 vegetables. Yeah. In you know, same size, eat a steak, you'll you'll get the same nutrients. Yeah. Which, and you'll get more of them. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. And, and nobody really knows that. Nobody's thinking it through. Yeah. Nobody's talking about it. Yeah. And so uh, seafood is some of the most nutrient totally. dense um, foods on the planet. Uh, egg yolks. These things are yeah. like, even if you're, I, I'd say even if you're a vegetarian, um, getting a lot getting of eggs in your diet, in yeah, you man. know, you, you need that. And I think that... Um, my push isn't for like the whole world to just eat meat. Yeah. It's not possible. And it's yeah. like kind of crazy, right? And we like other foods and stuff like that. But my 
idea is to detach people from this idea that a plant-based diet's good because we're already doing that. That's right. We already eat 70% plant-based. Yep. And we're dying. And we're, you know, we're the, we're the fattest healthy we've ever been. We're the richest, fattest, sickest country in the world, which yep. is pathetic. Yep. We rank 53 in life expectancy. Yeah. Number 53, the United States of America. So sad. Ranks 53. We have a $250 billion uh, prescription drug habit here. We have a, you know, uh, $25 billion supplement dietary supplement industry here and uh we spend the most on ourselves Dude. yet we are doing nothing to fix our health how i don't think people realize that it's that bad i was talking to my father-in-law about our infant mortality rate uh, the infant yeah. mortality rate in the u.s is the bottom of the barrel of any developed nation in the world period and we rank below a lot of third world nations yeah in our infant mortality rate that's a problem. Well, you know, we have these movies on Netflix that are pushing veganism and yeah. things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you when you look at it, one of the worst things a woman could do yeah. when they get pregnant, yeah. the actually I think it's the worst thing you could do is go vegan. Yeah. It's the absolute worst thing you could do for your child. And nobody talks about it. Yeah. Because they're afraid to. Yep. It's you yeah, know? it's one of those non it's one of those things you can't you can't talk about. You can't talk it's about. There's a lot there of things you can't talk about. You can't sure, talk man. about vaccines. You can't, can't you know, talk about religion. You can't talk about the can't election. Talk about election. <laughs> can't talk. That's right. That's exactly it. Because you automatically put yourself in a bucket, and it is if we're not in the same bucket, well, then we're an well, enemy bucket. You actually can talk about it as long as you're on the right. What they call yeah. the right side of history. Yeah. Which is the worst statement in the world because yeah. that means like if you're not with us it means dude, you're on you, the wrong side of history dude, are, are you, you part me? of my are you part of my gang yeah not? and the way that they word it makes you feel guilty yep um but you know if we're it's 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 just so interesting because being on the right side of history means that you're with all the people yeah making all the money off you yep so you're a sucker you know that's right if you're on the right side of history you're kind of a sucker yeah, in, means, my, in my opinion yeah you because yeah. you are the product well you're just and you are you should question everything. Yes. Dude. We should question it. We live in a free country. We should be able to question everything. That's right. If we're not questioning everything, we're not doing our job. That's right. So to just say, okay, it's like this. That's right. Like at least look into it. That's right. And if you look into it and you find your answer, I don't care what your answer is. I don't care what side you're on. Right. That doesn't matter to me. I'm not trying to persuade anybody to go on any specific side. I'm just persuading people to ask more questions. That's it. Ask questions and think. That's it. I always like I don't have any desire for my kids, these kids that are here, anybody I have no desire for anybody to think just like I do. But I will push back to make you think. Yeah. You have to think. It's exactly. not just a blind the blind obedience is is death. Yeah. Period. And in in some ways, you know, some of the stuff I do like I eat an all meat diet. Yeah. Gets me in great shape. I feel awesome. Yeah. To me, it's kind of a secret weapon. Yeah. So I know other people aren't going to do it. Yeah. And then other people go, oh, man, how do you look like that? How do you get all those muscles, whatever? I'll tell them, but I know they won't do it. For sure. So I'm almost like, I got the secret weapon. because For sure. Because you're not going to actually Yeah, because you don't have, you don't have right. the guts to do it. Because you know? it's not, yeah. It's you're not, not going to dig deep enough to do it. It's not comfortable. It's, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And that's the thing about a lot of people is yep. like, they don't want to step out of their comfort zone. Bingo. But when we step out of our comfort zone is when... We become winners. That's, you know, it, that's when we that's when we find the magic formula. That's exactly. And we it. step out of the comfort zone. So where do you think you got this self confidence? Because that's perfect. I mean, kind of segue into a lot of the questions that we have too. Where do you think you end up finding the self confidence to to? Because that is a confidence thing. I think yeah. right to be able to go. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and question it. I'm okay with what answers I get. I'm gonna go ahead and step outside my comfort zone. There's an element of confidence that you've you've got to have too. So how do you? I yeah. mean, is that part of that development? 
you know, through through a, a lot of the self confidence developed through my parents. Yeah, because my parents yep. were very supportive yeah. of me doing whatever I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and uh, if I didn't have that support from my parents, I don't think we'd have that self confidence. Yeah, but I should say. Um, when so what happened to me was after I did the film Bigger Stronger Faster in 2008, I had I've had arthritis since I was a kid. Right. I've always had chronic pain since I was a kid, and after I did Bigger Stronger Faster, I realized I had to have both hips completely replaced. Yep. And by doing that, I ended up uh, becoming addicted to opioids and alcohol. Yep. And going through addiction really like really, really humbled me. Yeah. And actually took a lot of that self-confidence away. Yeah. And I sort of just have come out of that now yeah. to have it again. So there was a period of a couple years where I lost a lot of that self-confidence mm-hmm. because of the fact that, uh, you know, because I, I was sort of humbled mm-hmm. by an addiction and realized like, oh, wait a second. You are you might not be as cool as you think you are. Yeah. You not, might yeah. not have, you know, whatever. And it's it's really was all in my head. You know, yep. nobody was telling me that. Yep. It was just kind of in my head. You were owning it. And um, when you lose confidence, I I can relate to people. When you lose confidence, you kind of lose everything. You lose yeah. your drive yep. to do anything. You lose your drive to get up in the morning. And uh, I think keeping that confidence high is really important. For sure. Well, and mom and dad and Mark, I'd imagine, are some of those people that... You know, my mom passed away recently, I said yeah. before. And um, when she passed away, this huge boost of self-confidence just came flooding back in me. I, it was already building back up yeah. from other things I was doing to sort of recover from drug addiction. Yeah. You know, like, like I said, I um, if you look like, I don't know how long, six, six almost seven years ago, uh, I was addicted to painkillers yeah. and alcohol yeah. and wasn't working out. And I went from, and I had two fake hips. So I went mm. from that to like, you know, and I was I was fat and weak and I went from that to like 10% body fat, yeah. being able to deadlift like 700 pounds. Yeah. So you, yeah, you go like, that's yeah. like, how do you get there? Well, that was that was confidence yeah. that I built back. But when I was at my lowest, I had zero confidence. For sure. And then when I built back my body, which is just, just a physical thing, yeah. but it's way more than a physical thing. Absolutely. I tell people like, this isn't about getting ripped or getting jacked or whatever. It's about becoming whole again. Mm. It's about becoming the guy that I was when I was a kid and I was powerlifting as a kid, and it's about becoming better every day. Mm-hmm. It's not about uh, how you look in the mirror. That's like that's a side effect. Like I said before about like um, being nice and doing the right things yep. will bring you money. You know, um, doing the right things for your body is going to bring you. Uh, first of all, physically, it's you're going to feel a lot better. Yeah. But also, just mentally, you feel great for sure. And the best part about it is uh, people ask you about it, and then you get to help them. Yeah. So it's like not even about always about you yeah it's about like you get in great shape and people come how'd you guys do that you know you guys are in great shape like people people probably want to know like how do you stay in shape what do you do you know and you get to tell them you inherently get to give back yeah and it's great yeah that's cool who uh do you have anybody that you kind of go to for like the the you know we talk a lot here about motivation versus discipline the fact that you're not going to be motivated every single day but you got to be disciplined to go towards that goal no matter what even yeah if not, i think you know, even if um, you're not feeling it anybody that you kind of look to yeah my brother mark yeah mark bell you know um mm-hmm. the what he's been able to do with his business and everything he's my, my it's kind of funny where do you find inspiration my little brother yeah that's yeah, a little that's weird awesome. yeah. you know um but i think if you ask mark where he finds in, inspiration 
He'd say, my, my older brother. Sure. He'd say, yeah. hey, look, Chris was down and out. He had nothing. Yeah. And he built all this back up. And yeah. he'll, he tells people. And I, so I think he finds inspiration in me and I find inspiration in him. And we try, honestly, not to attach to too many other people because yeah. I think when you attach to something, uh, you become like, I don't know, you become too much about that person or that thing yep. and not about yourself. Yep. So I admire people. Yeah. I admire The Rock. I think he's amazing. Yeah. I think like all the stuff totally. he's done is great. I admire people like Conor McGregor. Sure. I think he's hilarious. Yeah. And I think he's great. I, I admire people and I admire their physiques and I admire what they do in sports and I admire what they do in business and what they do you know, in politics or whatever. Right. There's people I admire, but I try not to attach to them. Yeah. Even you know, with this, with the election and stuff. I don't want to necessarily attach to anybody yep. because like I have my own thoughts, totally. you know? So even though I like a lot of people, like, I love Joe Rogan, yeah. but I'm not going to like attach to him and be like, yeah. you know, yeah. the huge fan the, that's like whenever, when he does something wrong, not be able to criticize not, him. Yeah. And not be able to handle it yeah. with your own emotion because they've done something wrong. Yeah. I want to be able to like, yeah, be, dude, be like observe that's, everything from the outside. That's so important, man. So we, I got, uh, my family and I have 11 rules that we came up with in our house. Right. And so we got them framed in our house and those are rules that's not mom and dad hold these rules for everybody. It's just like here, my kids call me out on this dad rule. Number two says, Right, like, yeah. and they'll hold me to that too. So it's all of us holding each other accountable to those things. So one of the rules in our house is to be a copycat. And what we mean by that is to pay attention to people, like you said, that you admire. Pay attention to people that are doing some cool things. They're doing some things that maybe you're kind of interested in. And then how can you implement the things they are doing into your own life? How do you take on those traits? How do you take on that work ethic? How do you take on, do that, but don't become... You can't become that person and don't even try to attempt. You got to be able to separate, ooh, I admire that. And this is specifically what I admire about them. Is there a way that I can integrate that into my own life? Right? It's it's that kind of thing. Um, Michael Jordan was a phenomenal, is a phenomenal example. He's somebody that I always looked up to growing up and I loved his mindset. Right? Whether you love him or hate him, you can't deny that he's, you know, arguably the best he's basketball the goat. player. I mean, he's the GOAT. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is, right? Always admired him growing up. I was a Bulls, Bull, huge Bulls fan. You know, when we were growing up, the Bulls were crushing it. Michael Jordan was the man. Um, changed changed culture around stuff. So I always, I always admired him. Michael Jordan, as a married man, also was at a club and tried to take my sister home as a married man, right? <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, so that was some firsthand kind of like, hmm, okay, maybe he's not perfect kind of stuff. But if I was attached, you know, if I was attached, I remember my brother kind of hearing that and being like, what? Like, and it was like his whole vision of Jordan. It was like, dude, he's an infallible human being. Well, it is then, what it is. You can still admire the amazing yeah, parts and you go, don't, well, You don't dumb. throw Jordan away. You don't throw Jordan away. You know, but you even, know? even people like Gandhi, Martin Luther King. Sure. If you look into like, you know, I was just listening to a podcast this yeah. morning. They were talking about Gandhi laying naked with 13 year old kids. Wow. And that's yeah. like, that, that's, you can look, I looked it up afterwards. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, yeah. that's crazy. Yep. You know, and he admitted, you know, he admitted that it aroused him. Yep. And you're like, wow, that's Gandhi. But do you throw away Gandhi for all the great things he did and talk about nonviolence and that's right. this and that? Do we throw away Martin Luther King because like he cheated on his wife yeah. in every city that he visited? Do we, you know, do we throw away? My dad says it in Bigger, Stronger, Faster. He says, talks about, you know, Kennedy and Martin Luther King. Yeah. And he says, like in the Bible, it says all men are fat. Yeah. You know, and people need to get up off their high horse and start loving each other. Bingo. And I think that's really it. It's like, Man. love the people for what they're good for. And then throw away, you know, you can, 
disre- not disregard the bad stuff. Know that they've done bad stuff because I've done bad stuff. I was For a drug sure. addict. Yeah. I was buying drugs off of Craigslist. Yep. How, how, yep. how am I any better than Michael Jordan trying to take your sister home? That's exactly right. It, you know, yep. they're, they're different uh, things, but like, how's it any better? They're For both sure. bad. We're all idiots. We're all knuckleheads yeah. at some point. I mean, that, uh, I had a kind of a, end up being a disagreement with a, a buddy of mine who was super fired up. I was posting some things from Jordan Peterson, right? And, I love uh, him. Yeah. Dude, he's so good. And he's, he's a brilliant great. guy, right? Brilliant guy. It was funny. We had Dave Rubin was out here for an event that we did too. And he had just come off the tour with uh, with Jordan and was talking about how Jordan, that's all he was eating. He's like, he's all he's eating is red meat and, and yeah. water. Like that's all he's eating. And he's like, the dude's never sick. The dude's never tired. Like he's out here crushing these huge events every night. You know, we're, we end up talking about that. And Dave's like, I'm kind of going towards that route too. So let's go grab some breakfast. And we were early enough where like nothing was open around here and I ended up getting a freaking bagel. So I ended up having to apologize to him. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I kind of crushed the diet. But um, I had posted some things about Jordan and my buddy's like, yeah, well, the, you know, guy can't even take his own advice. Like, look at him. He's in rehab right now. And I'm like, dude, there's a lot of things going around. I mean, that's that's fine. But what do you what do you disagree with on these statements that I just put out there? Like, what do you disagree with those statements? He's like, I, I don't even care about the statements. It doesn't matter if the statement's true anymore. Like, screw this guy because he can't. And it's like, dude, we, we're in a bad spot yeah, everybody's if that's what issues. we're going to do. Because well, I can point to every why, single person. And, why and he was in rehab. You know, his wife yeah. had cancer yeah. and he was uh, very anxious yeah. about it. He was taking benzodiazepines. Yeah. And nobody tells you that benzodiazepines are highly addictive. That's when right. I was getting off of um, painkillers, yeah. I went to another doctor who just prescribed me a ton of Xanax. Yeah. Oh, this will help you calm down. And I didn't know it was addictive. And then yeah. you get addicted to that. And that's you're it. like, well, now I got to get off of this. You know, and that's even harder to get off of For sure. than a lot of the other things. You yeah. know, and there are. Um, there are ways to get off these drugs. Like I was telling you about Ibogaine. Yeah. But here's the problem with this country that's so crazy yeah. is we have this gigantic opioid crisis. Yeah. We have a tree bark that comes from Africa that they discovered because it makes elephants high. Yeah. And you know how big an elephant is. Yeah. It makes elephants high. So imagine what it does to people. Yeah. It makes them really high yeah. for a really long time, like three days. Yeah. But when you come off this high, you're not addicted to any drug. You're not addicted to gambling, pornography, alcohol. Yep. Like it just wipes out every addiction that's known to man for a good good enough period of time to get the physical hooks out of you yeah. so that you can make a change. Yeah. So is Ibogaine a perfect drug that just is going to zap your addiction? Not really, but it's going to r- remove the physical hooks yep. and the mental need for the drug because what it does is it actually resets all the neurotransmitters in your body. One of the things that bodybuilders get excited about is it resets your testosterone receptors. So right. if, you're, if you were a bodybuilder and you were taking steroids, it would reset those receptors. They would work like the first time again. Uh, wow. But also, if you were taking opioids and and you got off of them because yeah. you used ibogaine and then you went back to taking opioids the next day, yep. you could die from it because now – Your body can't handle Your that body much. can't handle that yeah. much at all. So it's something that needs to be handled very carefully. Right. But it's something I think everybody should have access so to because our country – and, you know, the crazy thing about Ibogaine is it – for a lot of people, it can completely wipe out PTSD. Yeah. It can comp- completely wipe out um, depression, anxiety, and all these other things as well as wipe out chronic pain, yeah. which is why I initially tried it was yeah. to wipe out chronic pain. And I could not believe it. When I left the session, the Ibogaine session, it was like a week long, but when I was done with it, I was just had no pain in my body whatsoever 
for at least six months. Wow. And the only reason pain ever came back is because we work out too hard. Yeah, yeah. You know, it wasn't because uh, it wasn't because it just came back. It was because you know we're throwing That's a lot crazy, of weight on our back. Man. Total reset, but it's not going to be. It's a natural substance. It's actually, that can be patented. I actually nicknamed it the red pill reset. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it's like you take the red. You know, you have yeah. to have the courage yeah. to take the red pill. Yeah. But your life will never be the same. It just again. completely reset. Yeah. But again, and is that not a patent thing? It's it's kind of interesting. I said your life will never be the same again, but it's not true. Your life will be like it was when you felt normal. Yeah. You know, at, at some yeah. point you felt normal. Yeah. And you're like, I just want to get back there again, and that's what it does. It brings you back to normal. It literally resets your body, like a de- to a default factory settings. Yeah. 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 In, in every way. Yeah. And a lot of people don't believe me when I talk about it. And um, then they'll go look it up and they'll see all this stuff is true. And the way that it was discovered is actually real, really weird. This guy, Howard Lotsoff, he, sco- he was a heroin addict and he scored some ibogaine because somebody told him it potentiates other drugs. Yeah. It makes everything work a little bit better, yeah. you know, if you take it after you do ibogaine. So he was going to take ibogaine and then take heroin thinking like it was going to be gonna be stronger. the best thing. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be the best thing ever. Yeah. And the next day when he like walked outside to go, he, he ended up taking the ibogaine and it messed him up. Like it got him so high yeah. that he never took the heroin. Gotcha. So then the next day, or after he came out of it a couple of days later, he's walking down the streets in New York City and he walked right past where he buys heroin every day. And he kept walking and he's like, I must have walked two, three miles. Then I looked up at a tree and I, for some reason it just hit me. I don't need heroin today. And I never did it again. This was back in 1972. Wow. And the fact that we have an opioid yeah. epidemic in this country is just yep. ridiculous when that happened in 1972 and people have known about this, but they just keep shutting, you know, the things keep getting shut down as a new drug comes out. Yeah. Somebody will hide the fact that this drug exists, you know, and it's not even really a drug. It's a tree bark. It's yeah. a psychedelic well, that's, tree bark. I think that's usually the reason that things don't get, because you can't patent the, no, you can't patent, you can't patent the natural stuff. So there's no, why would you promote that when you can make a whole lot of money on the other side? Well, what's really interesting is they did patent a version of it called Noribogaine. Okay. And they, here's the thing that the government does. They took the psychedelic part out of it. To me, the psychedelic part is the best part because the first time I did it, um, I had this conversation with my older brother, Mad Dog, who passed away. Yeah. And Mad Dog just told me, I'm right where I need to be. I'm good. The second time I did it was literally the day after my mom passed away. Yeah. And I had a conversation with my mom. I'm yeah. okay. I'm where I need to Good. be. And it, I know that that didn't happen. Yeah. I know for a fact that didn't happen. Yeah. But it happened in my head. Yeah. And it made me feel. Dang, brought that peace. It made me feel so much better yeah. that I think that a lot of people need that to sort of happen in their head. And it, it's so real when it happens that it's like undeniable. Yeah. It's it's something that really will will change you. It's a profound experience. You know, we talk about um, the other thing that's like illegal that I think should be legal completely is psilocybin mushrooms. Oh yeah, they've just been found to be four times more effective than antidepressants. Yeah, and we know that people that take antidepressants have all sorts of other problems, especially like yep. sexual dysfunction. Like you're depressed yeah. and then you have sexual dysfunction. Yeah, it just makes it even worse. Yeah, totally. You know, so a lot of these things are. Um, they're illegal, but like, why? So it's a mushroom. God gave it to us. It's here for a reason. But what ends up being legal are all the things like uh, we had. Do you know um, Allie Miller? Yeah. Have you ever seen her stuff? Yeah. Right? So we talked to Allie Miller too, and one of the things we started talking about the fact that especially at schools we start medicating kids early and often. Oh, Adderall. Right? I yeah. mean, dude, Adderall and Ritalin, and it's like all of those things early, like yeah. five years old, right? Because they're a 
five-year-old kid yeah. and they don't want to just sit and listen to something. We're like, ooh, there's an issue there. We need to get them, you know, we need to get them hooked up. She's And one of the things she said, which I love, she's like, no kid has a, a you know, speed deficiency. Yeah. Which is essentially, that's that's what it we is. We have right? a cousin okay. who, um, she when she was like seven, yeah. they put her on Adderall. Yep. So from like seven to like 15, she was on Adderall. Now she has um, all these suicidal thoughts. Yeah. She has like all these nervous tics. Yeah. She has all these problems from taking Adderall as a kid. Yeah. And now this like millennials, they're all about Adderall mm-hmm. and they think it's cool. And yep. they think it's like, oh, it's great. And it, look, I've done Adderall. Yeah. You know, it it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, what it does to your body, it basically overworks your body. Yeah. And doesn't allow you to rest. And um, you do that, you know, a couple of days in a row, you're, yeah. you're going to be shot. You're running yourself down. I can't down. imagine what this stuff's doing to these kids' hearts. Totally, man. And, um, you know, people just don't need it's it. Just, yeah. And there is natural That's, stuff like Kratom, for yeah. example. I did yeah. A Leaf of Faith, the movie A Leaf yeah. of Faith. It's all about Kratom or Kratom yeah. or whatever you want to call it. Um, that helps so much cognitively and it helps with physical pain also. Yeah. But it's a um, it's an opioid. Yeah. So it makes you feel good yeah. like an opioid. But the amazing thing about it is it does not cause respiratory depression. Yeah. It can't kill you. Yeah. And people take Kratom like – you can take it like crazy. It's yeah. not going to kill you. Yeah. You take mushrooms like crazy. There's no LD50, which is a lethal dose. Um, there's no LD50 for mushrooms. You yeah. can take as many mushrooms as you want. Nobody's ever died from it. Yeah. Nobody's ever died from Kratom alone. You know, And that's – to me, those kind of things are really interesting. So crazy. You know, we look at Ibogaine. And um, in the past 20 years, there's like 19 people that died as a result of ibogaine. And then you go look at every single case, and it's somebody who took ibogaine and then took heroin afterwards. Yeah. Took ibogaine with a ton of benzodiazepines in their system. Yeah. You know, certain things with ibogaine, you have to clear out of your body before you take them. Yeah. You know, before you take the ibogaine. Yeah. Otherwise, it could be dangerous. But but I know what those things are. Yeah. And I know how to manage those things. So. It's just crazy so that we have all these problems and we have solutions that are readily available, but the government keeps wants them to shut illegal, them down. You know? So interesting, man. It's cool. We've been talking about a lot of the things that, you know, we're not, like we said, we're not allowed to talk about. And one of my favorite questions that came over from from all the kids is around kind of being counterculture in general. Um, you know, and the question was posed: What is a piece of common knowledge that everybody knows? But you go, yeah, I completely, you know, disagree. And I always talk about it from an educational standpoint too, and say everybody knows you got to go to college to be successful. Yeah. Right. And I go, it couldn't be further from the truth, right? Yeah. And actually, I think it's a bad move for a lot of, uh, I think, for a lot of youth. I you think know? one of those things is a lot of people think that drugs being illegal is good. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's one of the worst things that we do. Yeah. We spend so much money locking people up for things that are completely harmless, like yeah. marijuana. Right, it's yep. completely harmless, yeah. and um, we lock people up for it. Yeah, and we lock people up for all sorts of things. And so you're like, well, should marijuana even be illegal? Yeah. You know, if you look at Oregon, they just decriminalize all drugs, including anabolic steroids. For sure. And I posted that on Twitter, and I said, congratulations to drugs for winning the war on drugs, because <laughs> yeah. drugs just hung in there long enough to win, <laughs> yeah. and drugs are going to hang on long enough, I think, to win yeah. everywhere, everywhere here. else. I think, I think eventually. We are going to have too bad decrim- straws couldn't have held on longer, you know. Yeah, no, dude. 
You know, somebody actually said that the other day to us. Is like, um, they said, remember when we used to argue over paper and plastic straws? Yeah. Remember that was the argument? Yeah, that was the I thing. wish we could just go yeah, back to go that. Go back to that, dude. Yeah. I know, me too. Because that was the big argument. Yeah. You know, that yeah. was the thing paper, everybody's paper, talking yeah, about. Yeah, paper or plastic straws. Over or under on the toilet paper. Like yeah. all the things. That... It's really interesting if you look at the media. One of the things I noticed, it's pretty, I, I think a lot of people notice it's pretty blatant is that the coronavirus disappeared during the election. So CNN has this ticker, yeah. like this death ticker yeah. to, to, to f- make you afraid, to make you scared, to make yeah. you wear a mask, to yeah. make you comply, right? Yeah. And they had this ticker, but the whole time the election was going on, that they it completely- was ticker free? It was ticker free. They completely wiped it out for like a week and a half. That's amazing to me. Like yeah. they have this graphic up and every time I watch it, I almost can't believe like they just have this number. This is many deaths, this is how many cases. and. I'm like, why? Dude, just you know, fear. It's just fear. Driving fear. Yeah. Driving fear. Uh, you know, Mike Rowe. Yeah. Dirty, Dirty Jaws. Mike yeah, Rowe. Right. I love what he's, he's, he always talks about. Uh, I think he says safety third, right, is his thing. Uh-huh. He just talks about our addiction to safety. And he's been talking about this for years. This is mm-hmm. not a, a COVID thing. It's just always, you know, kind of been one of his things. It's like we are so addicted to safety. Um, you know, we've put this as this God and we put safety on this pedestal and it's to the detriment of of everybody, and especially yeah. to the detriment of our of our kids too. You know, it's it's we don't let them do anything. We don't let them experience anything. We don't let them because they're going to get hurt. We want to bubble wrap them from everything, whether that's physical safety, mental safety, whatever well, it is. And my art, yeah, my argument with uh, with the drug thing is yeah. just go back to that for a second. Is I don't know people who they make heroin legal tomorrow. Yeah. Right, they're, it doesn't mean they're going to sell it in stores. It just means not even make it legal. They call it decriminalize. Yeah. So when you decriminalize it, like if you're doing it on your own and somebody catches, you're not going to get in any trouble. Right. You know. So, in my mind, I, I don't know anybody who's just going to go out and start doing it. Yeah. Because it's decriminalized. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. It's not being packaged in at Rayleigh's, and, right? We're just like, or you got a good deal in steak and the nugget the other day, and oh, by the way, heroin was on sale too, right? Like, and, uh, and even a big, even a bigger deal is that, like, so nobody's gonna go, like, nobody's gonna go out of their way to get it if it, just because it's decriminalized. But even a bigger deal is somebody who does do it. Yeah, they don't care about the law anyway. Yeah, it's true. They don't care at all. Mm-hmm. They're just doing it. Mm-hmm. So because it's legal or illegal, illegal does not stop anybody yep. from doing it. And that's the big problem. Yeah, yeah. You're oh, not yeah. stopping it with yeah. the law. You're absolutely right. Oh, I'm not going to try heroin. That's illegal. Yeah, yeah, totally. But when yeah, you're we're... going from, so, and here's the here's the catch. <laughs> when you're going from Oxycontin, which is legal, yeah. into heroin, there really isn't any moral bridge across for people because they just that's know right. it's the same thing. That's right. And they're like, well, I just want a little bit stronger. Yeah. You know? and, and so, like, that's what's crazy is that there, there's all these, like, little fine lines with everything yeah totally you know, like oxycontin that's legal but not the heroin not the that heroin. would be terrible that's so funny i never thought and you know the um you know i remember being told as a kid like don't ever you know don't ever smoke marijuana because it is a gateway drug right that is a gateway yeah to all those and i will in full disclaimer i've actually never done i've never done drugs and i'm thankful for the yeah. you know that that's just been been the case um it, but that was always the gateway drug when i think the reality is the gateway drugs are what we've been talking about. It's the Ritalin and the Adderall that end up leading. Right? Yeah. It's all of these things that are legal and prescribed what about early. Tobacco? And tobacco's, often, tobacco's the gateway drug. There's a gateway right there. Yep. Toba- Once yep. you start smoking, you'll smoke anything. Yeah. I'll smoke weed. I'll yeah. smoke crack. Yeah. I, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. you start smoking. Right? Yeah. You know, it's like it, ah, it, so crazy. But, it, but it's a, it's a um, not that people go do that like yeah. just because they smoke cigarettes. But what I'm saying is like I think that the action of doing something taboo. Yeah. Like when you're a kid and you're 13 and yeah. you're smoking cigarettes, yeah, yeah. 
that leads to those kind of things, right? Yeah. That leads to, and and um, it's not to even say to make tobacco illegal. Yeah. But again, question everything. Yeah. Why does tobacco? Why does um, tobacco? Right? Like people that smoke cigars and people that you know do. do it's like, why does tobacco cause cancer? Well, because there's 400 other chemicals other in, things it in there to make yeah. you addicted yeah. to it and make you keep taking it. Yeah. So what if we just ask some questions? Yeah. And say, well, why don't we make, why don't we get rid of that? That's it. Why don't we go back to old tobacco where that we built our country on? Yeah. And like, let that be legal. But like these, ha- adding 400 yeah. chemicals into it, and we know that 400,000 people a year die from it. Like, so since coronavirus, not one person is talking about death from smoking. Sure. But more people die from smoking than from coronavirus. For sure. Way more. For sure. 400 and something thousand people a not year. Not close are labeled, you know, deaths from smoking, 75,000 people a year from alcohol, yep. you know, and alcohol related yep. uh, things. We have um, Don't even start talking about 48, prescription drugs. 48,000 people a year just from opioids alone, yep. you know, 72,000 people a year yep. from doing uh, doing drugs, yeah. from drug overdoses. Medical errors? Oh, medical errors, like, I think that's 180,000 or something. Through the roof. It's like crazy, yeah. Yeah, through and the so, roof. And so, like, I think that's the number one cause of death at hospitals uh, is whoops. Yeah. <laughs> number one cause of <laughs> yeah, death at hospitals is, is whoops. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, dude, so wild. And that's it, man. It's just question, just question things. That's, uh, you know. Yeah, I'm not for banning just, everything. I just, just think we should question. Be able to have the conversation. Yeah. Have the conversations, you know. It's, it's so cool. Um, like, we banned get, trans fats in this country. Right. But right. like not cigarettes, right? But yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, like, yeah. So it, it, the things make they they make no sense, you know. Yeah, somebody wants to eat jive. trans fats, go ahead. Yeah, I eat pretty good. I'm yeah. not going to go out of my way to eat trans fats just because they exist in a twenty. Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, that's and that's why again, man, getting back. to- They want to ban these... large sodas. Right. Give me a break. Right. Come on. <laughs> right. You know, I think in New York City they did. They banned like you can't get a big gulp anymore because it's too big. You're buying too much soda. Doesn't make doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. That's that's why we have the conversations that we have here. One of the dude, I wish because one of the coolest conversations we had last year, and I wish I just walked in on it. I wish I could have filmed it for everybody, but it was a bunch of uh, 13, 12 and thirteen year olds talking about George Floyd and talking about that whole case and yeah. going, "Hey, does systemic you know is systemic racism real in this country?" and just diving into that conversation. And they were from they were completely polarized. But what you saw was people questioning the, yeah. the narrative questioning one another and doing so peacefully. My opinion completely changed in the the whole George Floyd incident. Not that, you know, any of it's good, um, but my opinion completely changed on it when they released the entire video. Yeah. And he's on his feet yelling, I can't breathe. Mm. Well, the reason he couldn't breathe is because he was on opioids. Yeah. And opioids cause what we talked about before, respiratory depression. Yeah. And so he's saying he can't breathe when he's standing up because he took too many opioids. Yeah. And in my opinion, that was a major contributing factor to his death. What the cops did was disgusting. Of course. No matter 100%. what, no matter how you slice yeah. it, yep. was disgusting. It's not justified by any means. Yep. I think that um, they should definitely, there should definitely be some repercussions of that. However, um, does it fall solely on them? Is there, is there other things yeah. to blame there? Con- you know, context. 
context. Context. Yeah. Like you need more. So, you just need more. And that's where those questions are valuable, man, is pro- providing context. You know, Shapiro always says facts over facts over feelings, right? Or facts don't care about your feelings. Yeah. All right. That's it. The more facts you have, the more you can take the emotion out of it, the better, you know, response that you can have. You get to choose your response. Yeah. You always get to choose your response to whatever is going on. But And the way the have, media, you know, is it systematic ra- racism or is it good editing? You right. Know? Like that's, that's like what a lot of this new stuff is. Yeah. yeah. I just saw a clip on Twitter. Um, actually, Michaela Peterson posted it. Mm. She posted a, a lady getting punched in the back of the head and um, like by a Black Lives Matter protester. Yeah. And, um, and it was, it was crazy. You know, like this lady gets punched in the back of the head, but there was no context to it. So mm. I don't know what the, yeah. What's I don't know if that lady spit in the sure. other guy in the person's face. Sure. I don't know if they That's pulled it. a gun out. Yeah. I don't know anything. Yep. All I see is one person hitting another person. Yeah. You know, but I've yep. seen one person hit another person where the other person completely provoked it or even maybe deserved it. Because sure. it was retaliation. Right. So you're like, hmm, we need context yeah, I need to context, everything. Man. You know? That's absolutely right. Absolutely right. And that's the problem with like clips on Twitter and clips on social media. And yeah, I'll tell you, I used to be the guy who would watch a clip on Twitter yeah. and just get outraged and start typing. In thunder. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm like, don't yeah. comment on that until yeah, you see the man. whole thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. Relax until you see the whole thing. That's exactly right. And even then, even then. Even then, is comment, it worth it? Is it comment worth it if you comment? want, but stay relaxed. If, and it's not gonna keep, if you're not going to be able to keep... Relax. If you're going to lose sleep over it, you're going to lose mental energy over it. You're going to get distracted by it. You're going to be taken away from, you know, the productivity. You know, we're on this mission to help people, as you're yeah. saying. And if that's going to take suck an hour of your time so that you can go in a Twitter war that's not going to go anywhere, then I mean, there's so many times I'm scrolling through, through social media, and I'll see something where I, I just know that it's wrong. You know, to be right, yeah. like nutrition or something. Oh my, yeah, totally. I'll, I'll know it's wrong. Yeah, but I. What's the point? I just keep that's scrolling. Right. That's right. Just keep going. Because have the ability to do that. Yeah. What am I going to do? Why? Right. If somebody's on your page looking yeah. at Matt, they're not going to actually care what I say. Yeah. So a better way to confront things like that is to make your own post right. that is true that's right. about what made you mad. That's right. And I think that's what we need to teach kids. Yes, Don't go on and comment yeah. with an insult. Yeah. Go make your own post. That's right. Like go. say somebody's like, hey, the carnivore diet is BS. It doesn't work. It's really unhealthy, blah, blah. Don't, don't comment. Don't battle. Go on your Go Instagram your page That's right. and write why That's right. red meat can save people's lives That's and right. save the planet, you know? Can battle the powers that be all I want on the school system that is never going to change or go build a better model. Yeah. Right? It's that because that's going to – the proof ends like, up being – Like really think – Proof tweet, ends up being in the pudding. You think really tweeting at Donald Trump you know? is going to change his mind about gonna anything? Going to shift it all? Yeah. You is see people really gonna, writing yeah. – You've been a liar since day one. Yeah, he's Do you think like, he reads that and goes, yeah, Sorry about that. Yeah, you I'm so what? sorry. Right. I yeah. can't. Because Sally Pants 46 just yeah. said that. You know, <laughs> I am changing everything. Way to go. Yeah. yeah and dude, I, I think that there's a better way so, to do it. So the better way to do it is go on your yeah. own thing and then talk about why you think he's so bad. For sure. Yeah. And then dude, people will yep. listen to you because they're following you. That's right. That's right. And for the young people to understand that too is hugely powerful instead of uh, and it's not just the getting sucked into the negativity thing, but if you go build, one of the things we tell these kids all the time is there's never been a better time to be great. If you go build something and you just keep gaining experiences and you just keep taking on these things, these projects that these do, like you start standing out from the crowd because what everybody wants to do is lip service. 
right? It's just that. But if you go, you know, I had a guy call me last week and he said, hey, I want to, you know, I hear you got some great young talent. I didn't know the guy. He's like, I just hear you got some great young talent. I know you had, you know, an 18-year-old that just got pulled out for this job over here and this. Do you have any 17 or 18-year-olds, man? And, and I don't care what classes they've taken. I don't care what grades they've gotten. I want to see what kind of projects they're taking on. Like, what kind of things are they creating? Because if you can show me somebody that's interested and kind of interested in what I'm doing and what I'm creating, I'll, I'll give them a, you know, I mean, a career job now, today, yeah. on the spot. You know? And, and you think that, like, if you look at a school, like, um, you know, like Acton, yeah. it's like, I don't know, man. Now I would say if I owned a company, that's all. That's the only place I'd be looking. Totally. If I wanted like younger, yep. like a younger crowd. Yep. And then also to me, I mean, I went to one of the best universities in the country, yeah. especially for film. I went to USC film yeah. school. And now I look at it, it's like, what a big waste of money. I owe a lot of money still me too, me too. to USC. Yep. And I'm like, oh man, why? Like why? Yeah. That you know, it, gone somewhere else. And, and and I do value what I learn, and I do value a lot of the professors and some of the sure, guidance. Sure, and, You know, some of the things there. Um, but even my own school didn't support me. You know, sure. like when you know at the end of the, you, you. So what I did was um, I made a short film called Billy Jones, and it was about smoking cigarettes, right? Yeah. And I wrote probably the most ambitious short film. It was actually a kid smoking himself to death to win a prize. Like Marlboro Miles and Camel Cash yeah. was really popular back then. It was like in the 90s. Yeah. And so I wanted to make this movie and I went to the university and pitched it and they only pick four projects a semester. And so you only need two other classmates on your team. It's kind of like here. Like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you guys do it all by yourself, right? Yeah. So you you get two other classmates to go in and you, on, on the pitch and they explain why they think the project's great. Well, I went in with a total of 10 people I had my entire class, like, you know, basically the class is only 40 kids. So yeah. I had a fourth of the class on my side that wanted to make my project. They're like, this is the best written, coolest, most ambitious project. Because it was had a lot of sets that we had to build, like really, yeah. really cool stuff that would yeah. actually allow us to do stuff. And the school was like, this is way too ambitious. Like, that's what USC Film School told me. You're way too ambitious. And then I got in an elevator with one of the teachers. And he's like, you know, they said your script was way too ambitious. He said, go make it anyway. Boy. He's like, because I can tell that you have it in you to make boy. it. Yep. And I was like, okay. And so yeah. I left and I called my dad and I was like really upset. Like I wasn't crying, but kind of almost yeah. crying. I yeah. was 22 years old. Yeah. And my dad said, why don't we call every anti-smoking organization in the country and raise the money for this? Because it's got an anti-smoking angle to it. And it could really help kids. Yeah. And so I, we called all these places. We raised $100,000 to make awesome. a short film when I was 23 years old. And like I feel like that's what so kids rad. here do totally will do. Like yeah. that's that's what the kids at Acton will go rate do do things like that. And yeah. I, so, you know, I didn't get to make the USC short film and yep. get my name stamped on it. And some of the kids that did went on to make some really prestigious big movies. Yep. Um, but also some of the kids that didn't went on to make even bigger things. Yeah. You know, so like one of my friends did Donnie Darko. You know, oh, and yeah. it was like off to the races. Yeah. And so, and uh, another one of my friends who didn't get picked yeah. ended up directing three episodes of The Mandalorian. So, like, it's cool. So cool. It's yep. cool to not get picked. Yep. You know, All it's right. cool to not be accepted totally. because when you're not accepted, it means that you're different and you should think outside the box anyway. So, when you don't get picked, my yeah. message is just keep going. Yeah, man. Because it might just be narrowing down. It just narrowing down that focus for you. Yeah. So cool. Well, and sometimes, so, like, people that get picked, are people that fit the system. That's right. And fitting the system isn't a good thing. That's right. It's a bad thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. In my opinion, right. because then you're just going to do the same thing That's all exactly the time, right. You know? 
So what's on the what's on the docket for you? What, what's what's I know we got Meatheads. Yeah, I have a couple films I want to make. I have yep. one film called Meatheads that's sort of about Mark and I and our journey in uh, eating meat and yeah. how um, you know it's just a lot of crazy things have happened since we started doing that. But we've just been able to help a lot of people uh, lose a lot of weight, improve their health, and um, and different things. And I, I sort of want to illustrate that and illustrate uh, what sort of not necessarily about the carnivore diet yeah. I think that's too niche yeah but about how everybody sort of needs to take a different look at how they look at meat yeah. most yeah. of the people I know say I don't eat red meat and I'm like well you're stupid because chicken has no nutrients in it yep so you're eating chicken yeah. over red meat because it's got less fat yeah but chicken has nothing in it yeah so I, yeah. and chicken has yeah. really really bad omega-6 yeah um a really bad omega-6 profile. There's also healthier beef. Yeah. You know, Mark and I are sponsored by a company yeah. called Piedmontese, Piedmontese Beef. And they have like half the fat of any other steak and it's all natural. Yeah. It's just grown that way. So I have that film that I want to do. Um, I want to work with you yeah. on doing something about this school because Absolutely. I think that's vitally important. I think a lot of people, people just need to know about this yep. place. Yep. And I think that we can easily make a documentary. Yep with the kids, which totally. I think is a way better. Like, I don't want to direct a movie about this school necessarily. I want one of the kids, to, I want to, I want the kids all get together in a group. This yeah, is, man. I'll pitch it right here, yeah. right on air. <laughs> yeah. I want the kids to get together in a group, vote who's going to produce it. Yep. Maybe we have two, three producers, right? I want to vote who's going to direct it. Like who's, maybe we have two directors, uh, who knows, but yeah. we just have one. Um, I want to know, or maybe we rotate directors like on different scenes, yeah. right? Whatever. Yeah. Um, I want to know, Who's going to edit it? Yep. Who's going to do the sound? You know, and so how cool. that's all going to work. Totally. And get the kids to do it. Yep. You know, um, along with some professionals that I know, I have plenty of people in the area. I have plenty of people that we can zoom in to like sort of talk to the kids and fire them up. Yep. Stuff like that. So I think something about this school would be amazing. Yep. Uh, I want to do a film about ibogaine because yeah. I think that ibogaine is a a psychedelic that nobody knows about. There's going to be probably 5,000 movies coming out on psilocybin mushrooms soon because that's such that. a big thing. Yeah. So I don't, I, I want to do something different. I like going outside the box yep. and doing stuff that nobody knows about. So I think Ibogaine definitely needs its own movie. Um, and then also I have this project that I've been in love with um, since <laughs> for, for a while. It's called the menace of Venice and it's about Dan Duchesne, who's the original steroid guru. Huh. But it's interesting because I just feel like my life parallels him a lot. Not that I'm a steroid guru by any means, but yeah. that was my first film was about yeah. anabolic steroids. But I'm I'm part of the underground. You mm -hmm. know, I find stuff that nobody knows about. Nobody knew about Piedmontese beef. Nobody yeah. in the fitness industry, not one person I knew ever I ever saw talking yeah. about yep. hey, there's a low fat beef that you can get really lean on. Yeah. You know, you don't have to eat all this fat all the time. Like yeah. you can have a better a better version. Because if you're eating carbohydrates, you don't want a very high fat steak, right? Exactly. So you can, it, there's some of the steaks, Piedmontese steaks, for example, a center cut ribeye has four grams of fat, 70 grams of protein. That's nuts. And it tastes better than regular steak because yeah. the way that the muscle grows, it's super tender, right? So um, I like to think outside the box. I look at myself as like this sort of yep. underground. I found Ibogaine. Nobody knows about Ibogaine. I yeah. found Kratom. Nobody knew about Kratom, yep. you know, before I started talking about it. So yeah. I feel like I'm part of this underground totally. world, sort of like Dan Duchesne was back in the day. He wrote the original underground steroid handbook. Okay. And I want to make a documentary about him because, first of all, he was crazy. And that's always fun. Venice of Venice. Yeah. All so right. it's it's. I think it's fun. I think it's entertaining. And I think it's marketable. And I think those things are important when you're selling is he, a movie. Is he know? still around? 
No, he died okay. at 47 years old. Did he? Okay. Ironically, he died because he wouldn't take drugs for his kidney disease. Interesting. Yeah. So he'd take every other drug yeah. in the world, but not for his kidney disease. But if you look at what he's come up with, this yeah. is crazy. Um, whey protein yeah. came from Dan Duchesne. Huh. He was the first guy to ever put it on the market. Yeah. He's the first guy to ever talk about clenbuterol, which is a fat burner wow. that everybody yeah. will use. Totally. He was the first, um, the first person to like introduce like creatine. All these things they huh. they all came from this one guy who w- basically stole an ID from Gold's Gym Venice because yeah. when you go into go into the gym and you want to take a tour, mm-hmm. they usually ask you for some ID, mm-hmm. and some people leave them there because I used to work there too. Yeah, so people would leave their IDs. He stole an ID, cut out the picture of the person, put his own picture in there, and snuck into the UCLA UCLA library and would peruse the stacks. And find all these old studies about all these old drugs that people forgot about. Oh, wow. And different things like whey protein. Yeah. He was importing whey protein from China in 55-gallon 50, uh, drums. And people were, like, leaving his apartment with, like, these white bags. Yeah. And one time the cops, you know. Yeah, thinking there's going to be a major drug bust. Yeah. Cops tackled a guy outside. Yeah. And then the guy's like, it's just, <laughs> That's it's whey just protein. protein. Yeah. That's awesome. And, um it's just really cool that's you cool know, stories in that yeah. in that world but he was a guy who was an innovator and i sort of look at my a lot of people have told me they're like you're like the new dan duchene yeah. you know but not as crazy yeah you know that's good and because like you're always coming up with stuff that so i, I just kind of see myself as like yeah. you know trying to be a pioneer and things that nobody else knows about that's cool which i just think is cool and yeah. interesting like when i find something stumble upon something that people have known about forever yep I don't get that excited about it, but yeah. when I find something that nobody else knows about, you're like, dude, let's roll. I get really yeah. pumped, and so it's interesting because the pandemic has kind of like messed a lot of things up. But like the menace of Venice, yeah, um, and it's it's so interesting how like talk about like people not being able to do things. I pitched the menace of Venice to a bunch of people, including John Cena, yeah, who immediately attached himself to it, yeah, and then after like a couple of weeks of negotiations and stuff, and he's a good friend of ours, yeah. he's awesome, right. I love him. Um, his agent told me. They weren't going to let him do it because it was about steroids. Oh, and it wow. wasn't like a comedy. Yeah. It's like it's a serious, you know. Kinda. Yep. Yep. So I originally wrote a scripted version of it. And so now I'm like, maybe I should just make it a documentary because yeah. the pandemic has made the scripted world impossible to navigate. Interesting. You know, right now, it's, yeah. it's pretty hard to, to get a scripted show up and running because they can't shoot it. Yep. So, yep. you know. Dang. So those are, those awesome, are some man. of the projects that That's I'm, so cool. I'm excited for all those because, I mean, you, like I said, you bring the, the humanity to that stuff, you yeah. know, I mean, cause you are, I mean, you kind of, you're, you're this innovator, but you, like you said, your mission is, is just to help people. And, and that comes through with yeah. all of your work. You my know? I mean, my really point does. is like, if we can just start getting to the truth on stuff, you know, if we yeah. can start telling the truth yeah, man. and uh, a lot of times with my movies, people like, I was so surprised cause it was like right down the middle. Yeah. Like you didn't really go one side or the other, you know, yeah. or whatever. And a lot of times I do that because you know, even in prescription thugs, I go, yep. look at all the great things the pharmaceutical companies have done. Yep. You know, they've saved a lot of kids from a lot of a lot of issues back in the day when, you know, when we had real serious diseases. Um, but now it's just a money-making machine. Yep. So let's call it what it is and yep. let's examine it truthfully. And I think the further we can just drill down into the truth, the better off we'll be as a country. Oh, and the more we right. can be honest about what the truth is rather than tribalism and being on one side or the other, the only side people should be on is the truth. That's it. That is it. So. Couldn't, couldn't, 
could not agree more, man. So where we go to find find more from you, hear more from you, where you like people to go? Um, people can just follow me on Instagram. That's yeah. kind of where I tend yeah. to post the most. That's yeah. at Big Strong Fast on Instagram. So just remember bigger, stronger, faster, yep. and then sort of abbreviate it. So it's just at Big Strong Fast on Instagram. That's where most of my stuff is. I have a Facebook page. I haven't been on it in years because uh, ever since that data breach yeah. thing, I just stayed away from it. I yeah. still have it, but yeah. I never miss. check it. You you're know. not missing anything. I'm on you're Twitter exactly here and there. Yeah. You know, if I think of something funny. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I don't. It's it's funny because like, I like to kind of sit back and watch things go by, and then like make a movie about it. Yeah. I don't necessarily love being active every day. Yeah. Because I feel like it gets muddy. Yeah. But I feel like when I can make sense of it all at the end. Yeah. That's the fun time, you know, for me. All right on, brother. I appreciate you, man. Yeah. No, take, I, I love love you. talking to you, man. Yeah, it's good stuff. I could talk to you all day. So good. I could too. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Please feel free to let us know by leaving a comment, by sharing, by leaving a five-star review, just continuing to spread the word. Anything helps to provide scholarships to kids here in the Sacramento region. Uh, and if you want to follow Chris, he is at Big Strong Fast on Instagram. Definitely a solid dude to follow along with on, on his journey. And follow Matt on social as well. That is just M-A-T-T-B-E-A-U-D-R-E-A-U. Have a great day, and we will see you next time on The Essential 11.